With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Greetings. You are now listening to the McCovey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. And uh, the intro is is wrong because joining me this week is, is Ruben Poling. Ruben, what's up, Brian? Thanks hey. for having me. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for stepping up and coming off the bench here. Um, no, nope. I, I like you know, your I like your splits. You don't really have any strong splits. Uh, you're good from both sides of the plate, and uh, a lot of veteran presence. Yeah, you know, I think I've, I've I'm just here to uh, try to get some good at bats and help out the team however I can. Um, oh man, I am really not good at interview boilerplate. I keep trying to want to <laughs> put actual opinions in here. That's why in the rundown I just put rhubarb. rhubarb. We could have been anything. We could have been doing anything. So the Giants, if you didn't know, if you're just listening to us strictly for Giants news, um, first of all, thanks. But uh, mainly, the Giants had a five and one week, and they have the best record in 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 Major League Baseball. The they are sur- on pace for a, uh, I believe, a hundred and two point six wins. Uh, and those point six wins, it would have been a full win, but uh, after in the seventh inning and on, it was Hunter Strickland and uh, George Contos and uh, Javier Lopez. Just they they blew that, so that's why it was only point six, right? Ha ha jokes. Anyway, so uh, the Giants have the best record in baseball at the All-Star break for the first time since 1993. I was really hoping you weren't going to say that. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, I'm bringing it up right now. And they're on pace for that like rounding error. They're on pace for 103 wins. Ooh. Oh, no. Could not, could not have picked a worse comp. <laughs> Uh, because as as painful as 2002 was, and certainly the pain of that has been doled quite substantially, I would say, but it's still there. Yeah. I feel like, at least to me personally, 1993 has not gone away. It's kind of changed in different ways, like the pain has evolved and twisted into other things, but it's still there very much. Right. Yeah. Because like as I, you know, at the time I was I was what, seven. Yeah, I was seven, which was, I mean, peak age to have my heart broken by baseball. Um, But as I get older, now I look back, I'm like, why couldn't Will Clark have just been a little better? Like that was the worst year of his career. Like, yeah, it did. You're right. It gets it gets worse in different ways Uh, that the Braves were gifted Fred McGriff. Oh, God. Yeah. If the Rockies could have beaten them one damn time, literally one, t- one time. <laughs> if Dusty Baker didn't think Solomon Torres was the answer, there's a lot of things that uh, <laughs> that makes me go, "Why? Why did that happen?" So. Yeah, uh, I I feel I've actually uh, hate the Braves more with every passing year. Like it's actually the reverse. You know, I I'm 
the Angels, whatever that happened, it was bad. But you know, they're they're stuck being like the depressing mirror universe Dodgers. But the Braves, <laughs> man, they just get worse. Yeah, the Braves, the Brave. But I mean, to and I, I also remember it just because so many magical Braves bandwagon fans jumped on board oh. in my school, and so that was another factor. I'm like, I, I can't, I can't believe this. <laughs> this is like ridiculous <laughs> how would you like why would you bandwagon the braves that seems like something you're like you're born into and just like this shameful family secret you know like i i really think they were just A's fans yeah <laughs> who just flipped over uh so there we are uh so there's the 1993 thing we're getting it right out of the way there's yeah. a little stat in our uh, blog talk uh site and it tells me abandonment and completion and so if you listen to under two minutes of the podcast it's considered and you click it closed it's called abandonment i'm pretty sure it's going to be a high abandonment since 1993 is in the first two minutes yeah so i funny. like we should uh put a disclaimer when, yeah. like when you read this out like all the depressing <laughs> stuff at the beginning yeah so that's that's a good idea i will i will strongly consider that uh so let's let's revisit the goodness the yeah. sugary sweet goodness that was a five in one week. Uh, on last week's Croncast, we covered the three uh, one PV win on Labor Day. Uh, two home runs, plus Posey Angel Pagan, Jake PV looked like a major league starting pitcher again. It was all this was great. The, but and we were recording that just before the second game of that series started, and that was the only game I predicted. You know, I predicted the Giants would win, so that was of course the only game this week that they lost. Oh yeah. Uh, I predicted a 14 to nothing thrashing by the Giants, and instead it was a 7-3 meltdown by the Giants. And if uh, I recall that game right, like it was it was basically competitive. Like they had an early lead. It was yep. a tight game. Yeah. Up until like Hunter Strickland just decided to process his feelings all over the mound. <laughs> and and it really it really was a game that they kind of gave away and and the bullpen doing that thing where you just put it so it's kind of one thing to blow a lead. Maybe it's tight or you're behind one or maybe even two with this offense. But when it's just like a six run inning, it's just like, okay, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> like even Bochy do is like, okay, let's just punt this stuff. Sorry. It was two. It was a four run inning and a seven run inning, but you know, yeah. uh, it, it was just like a complete whatever. And you know, it's a good thing that we're all blocked by Hunter Strickland, but let's not forget. I'm, actually, I'm not blocked yet. I wonder what I've been doing wrong. <laughs> you, you don't show up on his vanity searches because you probably just comment on the situation disaster right. instead of saying this fault line was the cause of the earthquake. Yeah. So that's probably, yeah. Uh, we, we should, but really we should, you know, we're mentioning Hunter Strickland. That really was on Corey Guerin. The most, like <laughs> pro- probably the most trusted guy in the bullpen, even slightly more than Casilla, I would think. Oh, he, definitely. He just, he just completely lost it. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting is I think if you compare them, Casilla is still the better pitcher, like the better yes. reliever. Right. It's just relieve, or closers are graded on such a different scale, right? Like yeah. if you had Corey Guerin having the sort of season that Casilla had, it'd be like, oh, my God, that guy's our, our best setup reliever. And if you had Casilla having a Guerin season, it would just be like, what a nightmare. <laughs> just kind of what's happening. But I think what we're talking about, right, when we're saying better, we're saying stuff. Yeah, uh, and I think with Garen, the reason why he's more trusted is that in theory he's supposed to get more ground balls. 
Yeah. And and I think that at least organizationally, I'm not going to try to, I can only talk to the team I've been following my entire life. <laughs> that is far more trustworthy than, uh, than a guy who strikes out a lot of players, uh, which doesn't actually hold up to the statistical scrutiny. And this is actually a problem that Grant pointed out in his recap of this particular game that the Giants relievers put a lot of stress on the defense because they don't strike guys out. And, yeah. and if Corey Guerin is not sinking his pitches and he just throws a cookie to Nolan Arenado, it's going to go far. That's exactly what happens. And didn't Guerin go on the DL like immediately after the game? Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. So obviously yeah. it wasn't, wasn't right. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that before Bochy got down into the clubhouse that that's what happened. But the good news is is uh, we can transition right into the next game because this game was the only loss of the week, and it was just a reminder that the Giants have some bullpen issues, uh, and which we already knew. And uh, so then that led right into a 5-1 win where Johnny Cueto was Johnny Cueto. He was like, the guy. Yeah, like he is a, a, a self-describing phrase at this point. <laughs> right. Magnificent, and there's really nobody like him. He quaidoed the hell out of this game. <laughs> I, honestly, okay, so I was I was skeptical of the Quato signing. You were too, right? No, no, that was the one. You were you were the one. Who, that was the one thing you liked about the Giants. <laughs> I was for both deals. Wow, good I job. Was... <laughs> I was definitely so. I was I was nervous about Quato. I was nervous about his injury history and just kind of like weird up and down performance. Uh, but even when I was like talking myself into it afterwards, which I did in like five minutes. I did not expect him to be anywhere. Like, this is incredible. I guess one thing with him, well, I mean, I'll just recap real quick his line for that game that we're talking about that he quadoed. It was a complete game. It was his fourth of the season. He had eight strikeouts, one walk, uh, and five hits. Um, And he really just, like, he looked really comfortable in his own skin, you know? Just he could do whatever he wanted. And he's looked like that in... Most of his starts. Um, I'd even go so far as to say, like, just about all of his starts. Like, even thinking back to early on, he had those two stinkers where he got just crushed in the first inning, right? Yeah, even the Dodgers. I think I think of the Dodgers one more because that was definitely a game where he settled in. Like, yeah. He just flipped a switch, more or less. And yeah. And it was really like, rough. Yeah. You could do that. Like, how many times have the Giants had, you know, someone go out there, get, you know, PB'd out of there in an inning in two-thirds and all of a sudden, the bullpen is just hosed for a week. And right. Quaid, even when he's bad, he's still this pillar of stability. I really think he's like the Levon Hernandez of the team. Like, he's got that kind of rubbery arm quality to him. And maybe he'll be a little shaky, but then he just can keep... He doesn't really... His stuff doesn't really change. Like, it's I just a matter of looking... A 40-year-old Johnny Cueto doing Bartolo Colon things. That's kind of what I'm thinking in that sort of vein of just, like, this big guy who just throws... He just throws kind of slop pitch, you know. Where Cueto is not a slop pitcher, but you know what I mean. A lot of breaking stuff, off-speed pitches, and he's kind of got this uh, goofy energy to him yeah. that throws everyone off kilter. I, I mean, he's, you know, it's nice that he works, you know, in the mid '90s, but he could probably later on live at 91, 92. He wouldn't be this guy, but he still has such good command. Yeah, and I, I mean, he's got a really good slider. I, I mean, it's it's very consistent. Um, it, he has a lot of movement on – I mean, he has movement on all of his pitches. This isn't like, oh, I'm Jeff Samarja. Here's a fastball. 
and it's just a straight line. Uh, you know, it's or Hunter Strickland again, but uh, he he just does a lot. He's really interesting, right? Just when you watch him, he's interesting, um, and he just seems very easy. And this is just another game. It's his fourth. It's another game like uh, many many others already in this half season. Uh, again, his fourth um, uh, complete game of the season, um, and his he's that ties his career high. By the way. Uh, of four complete games in the season. Last time he had that was in 2014 when he was with the Reds. And the reason why I like the signing, and I believe I stated clearly why I like the signing, was when you were on the show. Uh, nope, that was the Mike Farron episode. That's the one. I was I was, I was on the show with Mike okay, Farron. Mike Farron. So that was the one where I was where we went through his his half season with Kansas City, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, he was really good at the beginning, and then he was really good at the end. And he was bad for a stretch with them, but I mean, there's like so many reasons that can explain mm-hmm. why he wasn't great. And I, but other than that, for his career, he's been some version of this. But my bigger point is, we thought about AT&T Park helping uh, Jeff Samarja. I think it's got to be helping Cueto too. Yeah, I think that um, what's a good way to put this? The park gives pitchers a a margin for error specifically when it comes to, um, to balls in play to, you know, getting away with mistakes. And when you're, you know, not that Cueto is again, necessarily a finesse pitcher, but a pitcher with more finesse than Samarja, like, or, or similar guys, like he can get strikeouts, but he likes to pound the zone. He likes to get contact. And AT&T is going to be your friend if you can consistently induce contact that stays in the ballpark, Jeff. Right. <laughs> well, and I put this in my recap for the last Samarja start, was that Samarja definitely goes through innings, like clumps of innings in a game where he's operating on one plane. And it, it's always, and it's usually the belt high. Like he can't get any of his, he can't get any of his pitches off of a certain plane. And one thing about Cueto is, you know, maybe it's only, maybe it's batter to batter. Even he works all the different levels. He changes eye levels. Those pitches are everywhere, but he's also really good at keeping the ball down in the zone pretty consistently as well. So I think just all that deception and movement, it it helps him. And, and yeah, we're one thing we're not even talking about here uh, is the Buster Posey factor as the two of them seem to have a really great rapport, which is maybe a little surprising because other than Madison Bumgarner, I cannot think in, in his tenure with the giants where you could say that really. It is. Well, I think, um, I think we're a little skewed by the whole, you know, weird Tim Lincecum drama, um, which may or may not have actually been a thing. Uh, but was on the tip of everyone's tongue because at the time Tim Lincecum was obviously, you know, the the once and future ace of the Giants and was just going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, so I think that kind of skewed how we think of it. Like, I don't think Buster necessarily has like a, a, a you know, friendship bracelets kind of rapport with the rest of the staff like he does with Bumgarner, but but he's a good catcher. He gets well, wet strikes. Well, Guys, I'm saying bro. that I think he's got a second bracelet now with Johnny Cueto. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, That's what I, they seem to like each other, and which is what's really cool. It's probably all like sparkly and has, Oh man, that must be the best friendship bracelet. <laughs> 
Uh, and I just like his energy and I'm glad he's on the team for these next two seasons. And I won't be sad when he's gone. Cause it will have been, I'm going to enjoy the good times while they're here. <laughs> uh, that was another reason why I like the deal. Cause I know it's a two year contract. See, I'm already like, that's the thing. I, I, I agree with you in my head, but my heart is already like, well, Maybe if they could get him for like a <laughs> year deal afterwards, like, I'm, I'm going to miss him already like half a season in and he's already one of my favorite Giants pitchers ever. He uh, He's fantastic. And I, I don't know what else to say in terms of like, I mean, I wanted to keep going. He's a pitcher. So there's always that risk that he could just disappear one day. Uh, and that's always kind of weird, right? With pitchers. But basically let's just maybe i'm at the point in my life where i'm like let's just enjoy him while we got him man yeah <laughs> so no, that's that's fair uh, and i i remember there was a tweet uh this is good because we're now gonna just fall into the friday start against arizona but there was a tweet from today sorry excuse me because we have to have pretend that we were this is uh monday <laughs> oh is it is it monday yeah, okay. it's monday yeah, it's monday july 11th i didn't announce it at the top but july 10th last night Hank Shulman uh, tweeted kind of like a a trolling response to a troll about Jeff Samarja's contract. And uh, he said, you know, we're 18 starts into 160 starts. So you can't really say one way or the other about the whole deal. And so, you know, let's enjoy the – it's kind of – there's something to, you know, let's for the moment put a pin in the playoffs. We've got Johnny Cueto for about 66 starts. And and we're about, what, a quarter of the way through that. So let's – Let's enjoy them. And there's Correct. something kind of fun about that. And rather than be like the Barry Zito or Tim Lincecum thing, like, oh, we've got 30 more starts with this guy. <laughs> you know, we've got to just ride this out, uh, which is more often the case with baseball. Yeah. Because uh, it's so rare you get like a two-year deal. And I know it's an opt-out, but it's essentially a two-year deal. And I, one of the old – one of the early aughts saber things that I think really still holds up is – there's no such thing as a bad two-year deal. You know? If right? you give me some time, I can think of one. But no, I think you're right. Like, there's... The Lincecum deal was a bad two-year deal. But that ultimately, did it really block them from doing anything really significant? No. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you can If you can get someone and that's all the risk you're assuming is like, uh, this, if this player's bad, we'll have to deal with him next year or two. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, if... I, I suppose in the case of Cueto, what could have made it really sting is if he had a draft pick compensation attached right. to him. Then that is a problem. Now it's two years. It's not just money. Uh, so then I can see it. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I'm glad he's on our side, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Cueto in a, in a in a few minutes again. So uh, don't don't uh, fret if you want us to just talk about Cueto and you're listening don't to this. Don't wait, Johnny Cueto fans. Exactly. So let's go into the other subset, the smaller subset of Giants fans who exist. That's Jeff Samarja rooters uh, who are out there, and he had a he had a solid start on Friday yeah, night. Six and a third. Yeah, he went six and a third, and um, he if he hadn't had such a rough first inning or two, where I think he threw fifty pitches in the first two innings, mm-hmm. he probably he probably could have gotten through that sixth inning okay. It was a six and two win. Uh, the bullpen was okay. Um, but really the story of this game was that the Diamondbacks are a freaking clown show. They uh, are tire fire. That is like four, four tires, all of them on fire. And it is a clown car. I will not even give them my cherished 
stupid insult of they're a train wreck humping a plane crash. They are just they're just garbage. Uh, but they threw at Buster Posey. So they tried to throw it, hit Buster Posey. They threw at him twice in the same at bat because they took offense to Jeff Samarja hitting Gene Segura, which is actually a harder sentence to say than I thought. <laughs> because Gene Segura, on the first pitch of the game, hit a home run off of Jeff Samarja, which is what Jeff Samarja does. His career home run per nine innings is one. <laughs> so yeah. every game he right. gives up a home run. He just gave it, got it out of the yeah, way. Early. He got it out in the first pitch, uh, and and so then the next at bat, Gene Segura's next plate appearance, uh, Jeff Samarja hit him. I'm pretty sure he didn't hit him on the first pitch. No, I'm Jeff trying to scold him. So Jeff Samarja doesn't know where the ball's going. So I, I'm left to think that the 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 Diamondbacks are a bad team because they don't scout. Yeah, right. because they're like Jeff Samarja. <laughs> right. They sent their best, like their best control guy out for an eagle eye strike on the elbow, or whatever. Now. So I'm given to understand that uh, Segura has been hit by pitches a lot, um, and in the last Giants D-back series, I think Osich hit someone a couple times or something, hit a couple batters. There was basically there was all this sort of ancillary like. I think if you ask the Diamondbacks, they would not like necessarily be able to name every incident that happened. But there would be this general air of grievance, right? That, oh, they just keep doing it to us. They keep doing it to us. And I'm going to say, if you're operating in, like, make the assumption that you're operating in that macho bullshit baseball framework, right? Like, that you're, you know, it is an acceptable thing to be to, to beat another team's best player to just show that you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore. Well, that's but, quite a memory. Yeah. And also, like, if you're going to do that, then don't, like, okay, he throws it him once and misses. Like, there you go. You got your one. He throws it him again and misses. Now you're you're in this horrible situation where not just are you deliberately trying to hit a guy – but you're not very good at it. That's where it gets scary. That's where our guys get hit in the head. Yeah, so that that's that's a great point because I'm I've never had to like no one's ever held me to the fire to talk about this. I've never had to be on a national show and discuss what my thoughts are on unwritten rules and hitting batters. I generally think that you should not throw a hard object that uh, at someone's head. Yes. So I'm I'm very much against that. Uh, I don't, I think throwing behind someone is okay if it's low. Uh, I think even throwing at someone, hit someone is, you know, we've seen it where they get hit in the butt and the leg, you know, but it's pitching. So it's hard. So it's kind of one of those things like if you hurt the guy, I'm going to be mad. If you don't, I'm going to be like, eh, where were you aiming? That kind of thing. Yeah, no, I give it a little bit of leeway because there's there's an implied risk. Like any time you're up in the box, you could be facing like 2010 Santiago Casilla. Like yeah. you just could be throwing 99 and no idea where it's going to be. Like also, there's just this whole in my mind. There's this this could get twisted into a certain way, and I'm fine with being challenged on it. But I mean, you know, take the idea that baseball is a kid's game. I feel like the the sport, even though it's on a professional level and there's millions of dollars and these people are supposed to be adults, there's a vein of immaturity in it. And oh, so yeah. the same immaturity that might compel someone to throw at someone as revenge also says, 
but it's done and it's over with now. Now let's just move on. So to me, there's something they, they'll call it justice. It's just stupid. Yeah. But I think to your point, like, okay, you tried it once. It's done, right? You missed. You took your yeah. shot and you missed. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, so, and that's so, fine. No wonder, no wonder that Ochi got thrown out. Um, and I, I think he was right to be absolutely furious that there were warnings instead of tossing that pitcher. Like as soon as you've got a guy who has de- like demonstrated not only intent, but the inability to follow through on that intent in the safest way possible, like get him out of there, get him the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the diamondbacks aren't playing for anything. Yeah. Oh no. At this point, like they're, <laughs> They're, they've already like gotten the uh, the dreaded fan graphs piece about how they should already trade uh, Zach Greinke. Like they're in they're in that. <laughs> that. Oh man, that's when you know you've hit bottom. <laughs> yeah, like and obviously you know fan graphs is coming at it from a completely different perspective in terms of those business decisions. But just once you're once you're attracting those vultures circling, <laughs> things have started to smell. <laughs> that's true. Uh, they they. Um... You know, they, they've had some bad luck with injuries uh, oh, yeah. in that sense. And, you know, kind of the bet they traded Brad Ziegler right after this game, actually. Yeah. Uh, so they, they know where they're at. Um, one thing I would just want to circle back to was the Josh Osich hitting batters reference. That was in April where he hit, he had consecutive appearances and he hit uh, hitters and batters in both appearances. So, I don't think the Diamondbacks are above uh, remembering that. They 100% remember it. And, and holding on to that. It was April 20th, 420, and 421 where, they, uh, where he hit batters. So, you know, yeah, it, they do have long memories, but it, yeah, it is like, silly. Tony Rusa goes, uh, goes into the clubhouse <laughs> and leads everyone in, like, a group Arya Stark prayer where they're all, like, you know, Joss Osich, Jeff Samarja, just making every pitcher <laughs> the guy this year. I, I kind of want to be fair to them, though, because I feel like at worst they, they kept – they remembered it, but it wasn't until uh, Samarja hit Segura <laughs> – that it all pushed through because yeah. So maybe they, maybe they actually do scout. They're just not great at it. And they're like, yeah, he probably has a problem with uh, his control, but the home run and he hits the same guy and they hit us before. Like, it seems like they just remembered those two hit by pitches to push them over the edge. That yeah. seems more likely. And it's stupid and immature. And here we are. Uh, and here we are with the giants winning the game. And what I like about the giants is that it really pissed them off. Because after Brandon, after all that happened and Bochi was ejected and they were trying to hurt, you know, Buster Posey, uh, Brandon Crawford was like, hey, that's my good friend Buster Posey. And he, <laughs> he crushed a home run off of a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Brandon Crawford, not in the All-Star game. Yeah. Damn it. Um, Damn it. <laughs> it's like there are all kinds of good, explicable reasons as to why Brandon Crawford is not in the All-Star game. There's all kinds of logic, uh, and it's dumb. It's dumb. I have It has no place in my life. I don't care about any of that logic. Yeah. Brandon Crawford should be in the All-Star game. So the home run that Crawford hit, uh, that is the kind of thing where you're like, all right, this is uh, that is the unwritten rule of how you deal with those situations, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and I would say that a team like the Diamondbacks have lost, they really have lost our ability to believe fairly that they would 
to be reasonable and assume that they would have thought if like if the situations were reversed, I don't think the the Diamondbacks would consider that they were square. No, that, right? Because I feel like that that organization has in the last five years, ten years, has lost that ability to be you know get the benefit of the doubt there. Right. Yeah. They would they would hit the game tying home run and be like, all right, great, the game's tied up, so now we yeah. can give a free base runner without right. working about it. Right. So yes, that home run tied the game, and uh, and and the Giants, they you know again, I think it really just made them angrier, and it, and maybe the the Diamondbacks were a little surprised. I don't know because they were happy swinging at Jeff Samarja in the first couple of innings, but then after that, it, he somehow overcame them and six two win, and they had won the series. Had a fantastic game at the plate. Uh, Ron Wotus, we're, we're, I, I don't want to forget this because how often do we get to talk about Ron Wotus managing a game? And he got to do it pretty early on in the game. But oh, yeah. at, after Samarja, he brought in Derek Law right away. <laughs> like he yeah, did. Yeah, going to Contos or right. Uh, right. like Yeah. Right. He didn't, he didn't, he trimmed the fat. He just went yep. lean meat. And then brought in Sergio Romo uh, and left Romo in. He didn't play matchups. Oh yeah, he didn't do the boat. Bochy's been doing that a lot, like the the platoon thing, where someone was tweeting about it uh, recently, just about how ludicrously many single batter appearances the Giants have already this year. Uh, I mean, and it's left Romo in there, and he gave up a single to Goldschmidt, and then he struck out the side. That's right, and looked really impressive doing that. He got Jake Lamb uh, to swing and tumble into the into the other batter's box, and. Yeah. It's so rare that that the Giants can make Jake Lamb look bad. That that's great, uh, uh, and so you know it seemed like Rodas Wotus was just saying like, let's see what we've got, right? We've got a we've got a lead. Let's just go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and also he in the fifth inning, I believe it didn't work out, but he pinch hit with Ramiro Pena, and he I think the bases were loaded, and yeah, the bases were loaded, and he's put in Pena to uh, see if he could break the game open really early on. Uh, and the Giants only got the one run in the inning when they had the 5-2 lead, but he was going for the kill. Yep. <laughs> uh, and also, you know what I kind of feel like? When you've got Ruben Tejada, Grant Green, Ramiro Pena, and Connor Gillespie as like your your infield flotsam, you're far less precious about pulling those guys. Right, yeah. It's like, I, I mean, my most impressive thing about that is that Wotus had the presence of mind to be like, no, no, Ramiro Pena is the better matchup here. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> They're the uh, same guy. <laughs> well, you'd like to think that, wouldn't you? Uh, but, you know, Ruben Tejada has not, his last no, year and a half has been pretty terrible. Yeah, uh, he can't really hit. Pena's yeah. been at least in a small sample size. He's yeah. gone up there. I mean, he's, he's doing the giancy thing, which is showing up and immediately being aggressive, and it's worked out for him. Well, I would say that that's like a 50-50 proposition. We've certainly seen guys just come up and, oh, Bill Hall. Nope. That's, <laughs> that didn't work out. The, the thing the Giants <laughs> like, which yes. is, the, the, I think Bochy especially, there is nothing, you know, you can tell it really grinds his gears when he, you know, gets a, a rookie or like a minor league free agent kind of guy for a cup of coffee and a fill-in, and the dude just like takes a third strike. Like right. you can just see the veins throbbing on his enormous forehead it's like to swing the batman right like i think he's thinking back to his own days as a backup catcher like how many opportunities did he ever get to like oh this might be what makes me really catch on like 
God damn, I'm not taking a pitch. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that ex- extends to backup catchers, though, because then he's probably like, well, I know what he was doing there. He was looking for – he was he guessed wrong. That's all. Yeah, no, backup <laughs> catchers are, are different. They're immune, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the Giants, uh, uh, it was just a fun it – was, it was a good game because, you know, you don't – when the Diamondbacks piss me off, I, I like to see them lose after that feeling yes. begins. And that's what happened. Uh, and then that leads us into Saturday, and uh, and the Giants get another win, a four to two win. And but this one, it was Jake Peavy on the mound, which you know two runs. Hey, that's great. Uh, he didn't make it through the fifth inning, of course, to make that no, happen. Not really. He just wasn't feeling it. Um, no. Uh, it was. I don't even want to say it was necessarily like a super ineffective or bad PV game as far as how he was throwing. He just, you know, things that could have been a ground ball out instead snuck through and his pitch count climbed and he ran out of, ran out of gas early. Well, this is the problem. He, he's able to get uh, the strikeouts and he's been doing a pretty darn good job of pitching backwards, but just ultimately his stuff is, you know, he's, this isn't his Cy Young year. This isn't yeah. 10 years ago. It's just not as sharp. And, you know, the Diamondbacks have some good hitters on their team, yeah. uh, which yeah. which is easy to forget about when all you want is just them to drive away in their clown car. But they <laughs> do have some talent there. Um, but the the bigger – I feel like the bigger part of this game was everything that happened uh, between pitches. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> This was so, yeah, this was like the the, the GIF All Stars game. That's right. Yeah, this is that's perfect. This was the GIF All Stars game. Uh, we had a if you didn't see it online, you got to find it. Buster Posey threw the ball back to Jake Peavy, but Jake Peavy was arguing about something. I cannot remember it's now. Like arguing with yeah. a distant blur. You yeah, know. right. It's all distant blurs to him though. But the and uh, Buster tossed it and. While Peavy was looking away, the, the ball basically banked off of Peavy's shoulder and right into his glove. Uh, it was a pretty cool shot. It was a it was a good free throw. Um, yeah, um, it broke the tie. Like the Giants don't make the playoffs this year somehow. I I think Bob Myers still has a roster spot for a shooter on the Warriors, so Buster should probably like you know just shoot him a text. That's right. Um, and there was also and now I can't remember was. Oh, Javier Lopez was coming yeah, Lopez. coming out from the bullpen, going out to the bullpen, or coming in, and he slipped and fell, and uh, and and you know never want to see someone hurt, but falling is inherently funny. Yes, um, can't forget that. And well, and it was that, all great too because he like he had just the presence of mind to like turn it into a a performative fall, right? Yep. Like, yeah, he's like, yep, meant to. Through. Oh, I'm falling over yep. in front of a bunch of cameras. That's right. I'm making best of this. Meant to. Uh, <laughs> and congratulations to Javier Lopez. He only had to throw two pitches to get his guy out. He didn't walk the guy, and, uh, and he had a good appearance. And then Contos and Suarez coming in in relief, and Osich and Romo and Casilla. It was a, it was a banner day for Bruce Bochy. He got to just yeah. deploy the relievers. <laughs> yeah, he did a little bit of little bit of matching up. Little, I mean, obviously with Lopez, you want to platoon him, and it seems like Osich is trending more and more towards being, you know, a, a lefty only guy rather than an affeld. Um, they tried really hard to make that happen too. I, well, you look at his stuff, and you really think he could be that guy. Like, I, I still, I'm still like, why isn't he? He throws 97, but 
he still could. He just he's not been able to con- yeah. like, master yeah, that sinker. That. Yeah. And Suarez, it was actually, I didn't really think about it a lot at the time, but seeing Suarez deployed as just a regular old reliever uh, is is interesting and promising because, you know, assuming that Matt Cain does return on schedule after the All-Star break, uh, they could keep Suarez around and just use him as an, another hard-throwing righty. Right, and also that swing guy who, you know, is the piggyback to PV or Kane, yeah. which they're going to need. So. One, I, I guess we'll take a brief Matt Kane aside. We have not discussed him on this cast in a long time. They're yeah. still trying to get his pitch count back up. He threw 75 pitches the other night, I think. And, you know, they're trying to get him back into the, you know, 85, 90 range. Uh, and then he'll come back. I would say if you're a reasonable Giants fan, so automatically I'm out. But if you, uh, you've got to give him a few starts, maybe four to see if he can work back into the just before he got hurt rhythm he found looking right and then yeah you you see what happens and because it's not you know it's not as desperate as it was at that point like pv's looking like a major league pitcher again um samarja is samarja but i mean i i i you're not gonna pull samarja from the rotation like you're you're what is it 18 starts into you know 160 or something like that. Like, right. Samar is going to work his shit out. So, and then Cueto and Bumgarner are two of the best pitchers in baseball. So, yeah. <laughs> all, you can get away right. with, you know, having Kane like, okay, well, he had a bad start, but we like what we saw from him. He just got unlucky. So, uh, we're going to leave it in. I, I mean, this doesn't sound crazy to me, even when I, I know when I say it, it's not going to sound crazy. And it's not crazy in my head. So if you or anyone else thinks this is crazy, you're wrong. I think what the Giants are hoping for uh, is that it's it's Bumgarner, Cueto, and Kane when it's all said and done. That I think that they're fine with, like, they're not going after a starting pitcher at the trade deadline. That's not happening. Yeah. If something ridiculous happens and they can just claim someone off of waivers, maybe, maybe that happens, but I strongly doubt it. Because not just the financial implications, but you know, need-wise, they came into the season expecting that Matt Cain was going to be there at the end. And right now, as it stands, the two guys you just mentioned, that's, that's a five-game series. You can get through a five-game series with that. The Giants won a World Series with really just one really good starting pitcher, if we're being good, honest. Good starting pitcher, period. Like, yeah. you know, at the point in the season, nobody yeah. else was good. So they, they're not necessarily afraid of that uh they're not going to move kane and so you know and and the only thing they're going to be able to do with pv is cut him they're not going to he's not going to go to the bullpen so either stays or goes uh so you know hopefully matt kane can can start that comeback i mean he's here for one more year he's not going anywhere um anyway talk about that aside because you know it's the diamondbacks and i'm still pretty steamed about friday yeah, <laughs> uh, but that leads us now. Let's go into last night, the Sunday night baseball game. Sunday night baseball, where the Giants, over a long stretch of time, have not been great. And oh, uh, it's just this ritual where the Giants get an ESPN Sunday night baseball game, right. and like, great, I get, I get to hear uh, a bunch of strangers, you know, <laughs> discussing the Giants publicly tripping over their own pants. <laughs> In front of America and everyone. That's right. Or being pumped up. What has happened a lot recently is like the Giants are 
great and all these categories are like they're doing it with like a collection of guys and then in that same game no one is good <laughs> yeah. their defensive errors you know all the plate appearances are terrible and it's just it's just bad news and the giants have now max or they've got they've done five of their six allowable sunday night telecasts already who knew that the giants would suddenly would be anywhere close to maxing out major league baseball's allotment uh, of sunday night baseball time I honestly didn't know there was a max. There is six per team, which is crazy when you think about it. But I wonder how that Red Sox Yankees formula works out. If it's like, yeah, is there at least twenty Red Sox Yankees games on Sunday night? (laughs) That's right. Well, you can do six in Boston and six in New York, right? And there's your there. You can do it that way. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, we're talking around. Let's talk about what we're talking about, right? And that is uh, Madison Bumgarner came very close to throwing. His first no hitter, and but more importantly, he was dominant. That that out of all, he's having the best season of his career, which is stunning to say. Yeah, uh, and he this might have been, this was probably his best start of the season. Like and how his stuff looked for the whole game. I mean, he was everything was working. Um, the curveball, I think, was just the most incredible uh part of his arsenal that curveball um, was that curveball he could call on it whenever he needed it yeah it really is so it was, it was sort of a, a a lesson in um you know a, a large part we, we all know the large part of pitching well is circumstance like things have to go right for you besides just the way you're throwing and that was a game where everything else was going right for Baumgartner. the defense was good behind him you know little blanco blips aside um, and he had, uh, the shadows, apparently there was a lot of shadows discussion on KNBR, um, uh, giving him a little bit of a, an advantage over the batter, but it was just a situation where the, there was open road in front of him. Like there was an opportunity there and he took it like you, you, whether or not your things are going right for you, you still have to make your pitches. And he made every single one of them. Like it was like, not just like how did the outcome, but like you said, he looked incredible. I, there were so few mistakes. He, he was able to just get that late life on the fastball. <clears throat> he could, he was working his slutter. I, I love that Grant has made that a thing. Yeah. Uh, and again, again, the curveball was just wherever, but or, was whenever he needed it. But the, the big thing was, is that, you know, one thing that Madison Bumgarner brings into every start is he doesn't give in. And when he's working, that is a lethal combination. Like when his stuff is working and he's got it all going, that is a lethal combination because hitters don't, they can kind of be prepared for what's coming next, but it comes at you in such like a, a for, he does not throw 97. He's not Araldus Chapman. He doesn't throw like that, but his fastball is mean. He has a mean fastball. Yeah, it, it's tempting. Yeah, you, you you can't help but anthropomorphize it a little. Like yeah. he throws the cutter that bores in over the plate, looking like it wants to fight you. Right, and uh, I I think you know that's that's a large part because of that deceptive delivery he has that also works for him. There's another circumstance, uh, and yeah, I think mentality is really is it's so important because it's possible that it you know if you're unpredictable just enough you know, more than the next guy or more than whatever, you know, more than usual, it's enough to throw hitters off. And then not, not to mention the shadows and uh, playing off your normal schedule. These primetime games usually throw players off their schedule. This should have been a Sunday day game, you know, 
Um, right. And now they're playing in like at a, at a weird time with weird lighting and, and who knows, but uh, Madison Bumgarner taking advantage uh, of an opportunity that that's right there for him. That that's, that's an ace. That's a star right there. Uh, and yeah, obviously there's times where guys don't have it and they fight through it, but when they are 27 years old and uh, excuse me, 26 years old, holy crap, <laughs> 26 My- years old. Um, and, and they just like, he didn't look stressed. He no, he, he would get behind hitters, but he just didn't look like he was like lost. It was it was like that was the pitch I meant to throw. He didn't swing at it, or I didn't catch the corner. That's fine. On to the next one. Yeah, the pitch to Jake Lamb. There's that guy again. That that was a hit. It was just it was a clean, solid single. But I, yep. that was that was the worst pitch he threw. Yeah, no, and it was like, and I, I don't recall it being like, oh, that was a meat ball or anything. It was just like you know, good fastball. He hit it. I will debate you on that. That was a Hunter Strickland break that plane of glass right in the middle of the plate. Uh, it, it's it's you know a lefty lefty. It's supposed to bore in a little bit more, and that okay. just it wasn't. It didn't even leak. It was just kind of right there. I mean, it ran basically right in there. Um, you know, but I want to say something about Jake Lamb, and that you know this guy's been kind of messing with you the whole game, and you see what he's doing, like even in the at bat. Like it's these are tough pitches that he's fighting off and looking at, and then just you know this is where you're a professional and a mate. That, that this is a professional hitter. Doesn't matter pitch to pitch. He's like he recognizes it and he's ready for it. That is, I mean, that's really impressive. Yeah. You know, uh, and I don't know that any of that any of the Diamondbacks hitters would have been able to do that. We've certainly seen as Giants fans, you know, hitters miss pitches or just like oh, I was right down the middle. You know, like whatever, yeah. because of a tough at bat. Uh, so that that Jake Lamb, not in the All-Star game. Uh, Madison Bumgarner is, but he will not be able to play in it because he pitched uh, last night. Uh, Johnny Cueto, let's come back to him. And let's talk about that. He could be the starter of the All-Star game. I just like the idea, you know, so this is one of the ways I think I've evolved as a Giants fan is like maybe 2011, even 2012, I would have said like, oh, whatever. It's just, you know, it's the All-Star game. It's stupid that it involves home field, but we can't really control, actually control that. And like, I'd rather our guys get some rest. And now, like, maybe it's all the Warriors watching that's done this to me. I'm like, no, give me the Cueto Posey battery to start the game. Let everyone (laughs) see. Let everyone bask in our glory. Like, I just, that, I don't, of course it doesn't matter to the product on the field. Like, of course there's no difference to the outcome of the season, whether or not the Giants have this air of of championship superiority about them. But goddammit, it's fun to watch. Yeah, also, I think it, I mean, yeah, I want to see this. Uh, yeah. It's going to be hard to top twenty twelve, is all I'm saying. Oh yeah, with the giant, with the giant defeat of the American League. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you're going to beat that. Um, and that's that's an interesting. That's a very. Now let's think about that twenty twelve for a second. They beat Justin Verlander in Kansas City, so their next two World Series things were kind of combined in that game. Oh yeah, that's kind of weird. Well, plus uh, ex uh, ex royal Melky Cabrera, uh, right, right? Who did in fact play on the Giants? That's right. <laughs> uh, we're I mean, one thing we need to talk about that we didn't talk about last week was that Brandon Belt is also on this All Star team. He will not be yes. starting, but he won the final vote. Giants uh, fans are Twitter obsessives. It's amazing. Yes. It's fantastic. He had 
10.6 million votes. Um, and even in LA County, I, I was responsible for most of those votes, I feel like. But I, <laughs> I have to confess, I didn't really do the vote belt thing. I retweeted a couple things to signal boost them, and that was it. I, uh, I, I, did, I did more than I've done in a very long time, but I'm exaggerating my input. Well, and I, if you're going to do it for someone, you got to do it for Brandon you Belt. you got to do it for Brandon. This is great. Brandon Belt yeah. is, even when you, if you, you being everyone else, uh, think, you know, Brandon Belt's not the. You know, he's not Joey Votto. He's not Paul Goldschmidt. He's not, you know, Todd Helton. Uh, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. You can't, if you don't like Brandon Belt, the person, there is something wrong with you. <laughs> it's weird that of all players, he seems like, obviously people say stupid things about baseball players in the heat of the like, oh, that bum, whatever. But like Brandon Belt has always attracted. I think that's what it is. Like, I'm, I'm not too exercised if someone's like, yeah, I don't care what, you know, FWAR says about him. I just, I don't think he's uh, that good a hitter. Like, I would have argued with you in 2013, but it wasn't that big a deal. But he he gets this weird personal antipathy, and I don't understand it at all. I, I think it's just one of those things of, like, he's a guy who's expected to be one thing, and he's not that, and that's that's really all it is. But all the things that he that he actually is are all very like strong positive <laughs> as, as who, who he is it's, as a human and what he is as a baseball player are all great. What we know publicly, obviously, who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe he's on MRA subreddits. I don't know. Yeah. But uh... he'd probably fuck that up. Oh <laughs> um, well, yeah, and that, he has that sort of. I think one of the reasons he became, you know. At the same time, a, a fan favorite in certain circles is that sort of air of haplessness when he's obviously not hapless. He is a very good baseball player. He's a professional baseball player, which is a job very few people had, and he's one of the better ones. Well, um, the the baby draft nickname was, you know, that was... Yeah. was oh, yeah, no. It, it just... Yeah. The, the organization, at least on his behalf, kind of leaned into that haplessness and, and, and goofiness, and it just was this this projection of... You know, even when you're trying to argue like, no, he's actually really good. Look at these stats. Look at look at how he approaches this at bat. You're arguing with someone who's like, what, the kid in the fucking giraffe costume? <laughs> I uh, I love the uh, the haplessness. I find that yeah. I find it endearing. Absolutely. Because an important distinction here, folks, is it's not like it, it makes him a bad player. This isn't like, to go back to basketball. He's not just tall. You know, and he has no coordination, and he, but he can get rebounds. So he can yeah. only do one thing. Like, Brandon Bell can do many things on a baseball field. And it's not like every other giant is like him. So he's, he's, got, he's, got a, he's unique. So that's, that's another yeah. thing about it. Uh, also, I feel like because, you know, everyone loved JT Snow or whatever, and that's fine. Yeah. And I, I have no ill – I like him fine. But, you know – to me, it's like it's Will Clark, and then I don't think about any other Giants first baseman. But I think very much about Brandon Belt. So for me personally, I go, there's a charm to him. And, you know, the fact that he's really good, obvi- obviously it's the other thing that carries through. But uh, yeah. he is a fantastic baseball player. <laughs> yeah, and this feels, you know, in a way, uh, as, as someone who's been arguing. I remember um, one time, I forget if I've told this story on the podcast before, so feel free to edit it out if I have. Um, I, was, I was at my... Uh, 
my girlfriend's house um, and uh, gave my dad a call to wish him a happy birthday. Um, my girlfriend's roommate was hanging out in the living room at the same time. And within five minutes, we had gone from, hey, dad, happy birthday to like arguing at the top of my lungs about Brandon Belt. <laughs> this is that like, I think this was 2012. This no, 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 no. That was way too long ago. It was like 2013, uh, maybe even 14. It was recently enough that there was no excuse for my dad to still think that Brandon Belt wasn't good. Um, but yeah, like I just within, you know, five minutes of happy birthday, I miss you. It was it was just this vociferous argument. <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong. You're like, what are you talking about? He gets on base. So for me, as someone for whom that was basically a, a, a summation of my Giants fandom for about five years, um, this feels like a personal victory that uh, Brandon <laughs> Belt is now an all star first baseman and one of the better hitters in one of the best hitters in baseball and on the team. Like yep. clearly, which, oh, yeah. uh, which took maybe a bit too long to happen, that mm. it was just very clear that he is. That's all I mean, that it's yeah. very clear. Oh. Um, I want to say one more thing about about Belt in the All-Star game, but now I lost it. So let's just focus on the fact that you're bragging about having a girlfriend. All right, fine. So, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you listen, there was a witness that, like, oh, that's that's right. That story. Sure, sure Ruben. Yeah, I, I buried the lead, which is when I hung up. Uh, her her roommate was just looking at me like, "What was that about?" And I had no idea why she was looking at me for you. Like, this seemed like a totally normal conversation. She's like, "You just did you just call your dad to wish him happy birthday and then scream at him about a baseball player for ten minutes?" Like, yes, yeah, because you he not. was wrong. Yes, that's normal. Uh, yeah, the belt, the belt wars have fractured families. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you're if you're a fan of our podcast and not the McCovey Chronicles website, McCoveyChronicles.com, great content every day. Um, the the belt wars are a long standing. I'd say they're over. I'm going to say they're. I'm declaring them over. Yeah, no, uh, they they're over. They've but been it for like for this, more than this, a year, for yeah. easily three years. There's a, a, a loud contingent of anti-belt people. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still out there. Like, there, there's yeah. still people, you know, even this season who are like, oh, I just don't like the guy, you know, who are gra- still grasping at straws and finding fewer and fewer. And it is like, you don't, you are not required to like every baseball player on, on the Giants. You can be like, oh, yeah, well, that guy's a, an asset to the team, I guess. But I just like, I wish they'd gotten someone else. But at this point, if you don't think Brandon Belt is good, then I I literally don't know what to say to you. I used to have, like, file folders full of arguments about, like, <laughs> park factors and on-base percentage and defense, like, all this stuff. Um, that was my own version of grasping at straws. Uh, I'm so and, happy which, he's an all-star, though. I mean, this is the bigger point. It's like yeah. you've, we've seen him progress. Remember yeah. when he clearly had a hole in his swing? And oh, the yeah. ball was like right down the middle. And it's just like, do you have a vision problem? What is wrong with you? Right. Like he can, he could like foul off two strike pitches all day. It's like, oh, oh crap. The fastball down the middle. My old nemesis. <laughs> right. Uh, and they changed his swing for a time. Like they, they did that adjustment. Um, you know, he's, you know, I think the, dis- the, the only thing that you could say if you didn't like belt and you were somehow being reasonable and just saying, well, I'm just disappointed because he's not going to be a 30 home run guy. Well, okay, right. that's that's one thing. But, you know, for the Giants, a guy who gets on base uh, 400, you know, on base percentage and, and still hits doubles like no tomorrow, 
Like that is incredibly valuable, especially for the like for the Giants. That is incredibly valuable. They have no one close to hitting thirty home runs. Buster comes close, but I'm kind of of the belief that maybe not because his hand injuries and it's kind of piling up with age. It's like you know he's he's still a great hitter, but I you know he he's yeah. not going to hit thirty home runs either. So I think a, a full pence if he stays healthy for a full season might still have a maybe 30. yeah. 27 in his contract year. Yeah. Uh, so we yeah. can get there. That's but. about as close as it gets. But, you know, Brandon Belt, I mean, I think and all the great things about the Giants being 57 and 33 at the All-Star break, this has to be right in the top. It really is delightful. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, this guy, the organization would, would, you know, they expected a lot of him and they were hard on him. Yeah. Uh, Both really has been hard on him. And it really is a success story because yeah. um, what was he? Was he drafted in the third round? I think he was fifth? in the fifth round. Yeah, fifth round. Yeah, and it, which is sort of the the zone of like he's not a lottery ticket out of nowhere like Duffy was, but he's also not a sure thing. You know, people talk about the Giants drafting well during their first stretch, but like you know, Timmy was like, all right, we're the ones who are going to take the chance on this guy's talent. Um, and Buster was as sure a thing as there was in that draft. Uh, even and, Tim was, even Lincecum though, was like, it's undeniable he's talented, but what's yeah. his role? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess Bumgarner was that sort of like, all right, we're taking a high school pitcher. We're going to do it. Um, <laughs> so for Belt, it's a story of like, you know, identifying this guy who clearly was a possibly a talent, you know, a talented hitter and, getting him at that point in the draft uh, for the org of working with, you know, developing him both at the minor and major league levels. And of course, obviously for belt himself, uh, which is a thing that I think a lot of the way we talk about drafting and development can be kind of overlooked just how much the player figuring it out has to do with it. Like absolutely belt has always been a good hitter to some extent. Uh, and I think this is something I should have mentioned before. Some of the frustration with him from people was always the sense that he could be more. And I argued with them that's like, but he's good now. But, you know, looking at it now, I'm like, well, yeah, it is nice to have him, you know, with a 400 on base percentage and on track to set the franchise record for doubles. Yeah. Uh, these <laughs> yes, are, these okay. are not small things, folks. It's very hard to do these things. Uh, and the fact that he's growing into it and not falling back in some way uh, is, is very impressive. Um, extremely impressive. <laughs> uh, one other thing, you know, to talk about development, let's, I want to take a minute to say that I really, you know, a, a guy who's gotten better and, you know, Brandon Crawford should be there. He's an all-star. Oh, it's, I know it's crazy. <laughs> he I... was already an all-star and even, you know, Doug, Doug pointed out, you know, like, well, Brandon Crawford still got like 300 something votes from the players, but you know, Corey Seager has already been anointed over Brandon Crawford. And I thought, well, where's baseball sanctimony about guys proving it and being there? Right, yeah. <laughs> well, because Corey Seager was a blue chip prospect and highly rated and everyone saw him coming. Like there's a sort of confirmation bias and like, you know, remember Jock Peterson in the first half last year? Like, of course, everyone saw Jock Peterson coming and then he fell off a cliff and was terrible in the second half. Uh, yeah. He's good now, by the way. Jock Peterson's still good, right? Right, right. Right. Last time I looked, he was good again. He, he's fun. injured right now, but he was, uh, he was starting yeah. to do better. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, you know, he's a Dodger and all, but I like him. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's fun when they're healthy. Uh, but yeah, so Seeger gets that sort of. I think th- 
there's a benefit of the doubt for prospects who you expect to play well coming up and playing well, as opposed to, you know, Matt Duffy last year. Like, well, is he for real? Is he for real? Yeah. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. <laughs> I think he's yeah. for a given value of real. He was, he wasn't like up there. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. He was just like, oh man, I keep hitting into house. And then he got hurt. One thing about Brandon Crawford, I mean, I really liked him just kind of staying down there in the eight spot because, you know, he could take his walks and get yeah. occasionally get good, some, get some good pitches to hit. But, you know, he's been higher up in the order for most of the season and his on-base percentage is up. His slugging percentage is a little bit down. But, you know, overall, you know, I kind of tend to think that it's somehow that's, you know, more or less it's half a season or it's 90 games. Uh, he's doing great. He doesn't have 21 home runs, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to chalk it up to that the Giants are are facing a supernatural or a a, a preternatural number of left-handed pitchers. Um, somehow their left-handed heavy lineup has brought invited more challenge. <laughs> like somehow more left-handed pitchers appeared, uh, and I think that's overall like maybe sapped his power a little bit. That's just, I'm not even going to bother to look at the numbers. I'm just going to say, Brandon Crawford is having a great offensive season. He's probably not going to hit 21 home runs again, but that could just be a blip because I think he looks as good as he did last year at the plate. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's getting on base at a career high rate. Uh, Right now he's slashing 281, 353, 447, uh, which are just, those are just like good offensive numbers in general when you're putting them up in uh, a hitter's park that is particularly hard on left-handers, then they're very good offensive numbers. Uh, And then when you're getting that out of the best defensive shortstop in at least, you know, one of, we'll, we'll say arguably the best defensive shortstop in the majors. And it's just like, oh, this this guy might be like a borderline superstar. Yeah, he 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 and Angleton Simmons, I think, are pretty much uh, consensus defensively uh, of the shortstops there. Um, yeah, well, I, mean, I saw Troy Tulowitzki make a play the other day that I am, you know, I shouldn't be surprised at this point. Um, but it was pretty amazing. There's something <laughs> said for Francisco Lindor. He's having and play. Lindor, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, no, he's up there. So yeah, no, it it there are lots of reasonable explanations for why he's not in the all-star game. And I think they're all dumb. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and one more reasonable uh, explanation, but also dumb was uh, I'm bringing this up again, folks, because I am also still steamed that uh, baseball decided to uh, diminish the entertainment value of having pitchers in the home run derby and brought up the, you know, the players union is the reason why Bumgarner is not in the home run derby. Allegedly. That which to me that doesn't if that's what they're saying that that actually means that that's the reason you know if if they it, it seems like the players union would not stand for that speculation to be out there if it was untrue so uh, that that's the reason and I believe the reason is because some guys have in their contracts you know home run derby bonuses and if a pitcher takes a slot away from that or takes away that opportunity then that's a problem and to my to my response. <laughs> I I second that. I have no Yeah. You can't expand the field to have the pitchers in there or or better yet have a much shorter competition between two pitchers uh as like the pre-show as the warm-up. Sure. Yeah. You could have just had Bumgarner versus Arietta or Bumgarner versus Cologne as yeah. the warm-up. And just, yeah. they could have just had 5 or 10 minutes let's say five minutes 
to just whatever. And that's it. One round. That's it. Whoever wins that wins it. And that's it. And then you're yeah. done. Walk off. Uh, um, so let's pick – one thing we do uh, that we've added since you were last on is we pick our best game of the week and the worst game of the week and also our player of the week. So sure. what do you um, think last week was the best week, game of the week? Best? I, I got to go with Sunday. I mean the the – the first D-backs game was great for, you know, shot like the, the payback factor. Um, Cueto was a lot of fun, but, but man, Bumgarner. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's a pretty easy. That's slam. Yeah. I think we all know what the worst game of the week was, unless you want to pick one of the wins like a monster. <laughs> yeah. That would be weird. Um, uh, the loss was it, the loss to me was uh, the, the singular loss has to be the worst game of the week, but also just has that portent of like, if things go bad for the giants, it's going to happen in this way. Right. Exactly. It, it was explicable losses are kind of the worst when like, yeah. when it's like, Oh, you know, uh, some, some joker, uh, what's a, what's an extremely generic pitcher? Um, <laughs> Josh uh, Eflin. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Josh Eflin throws is Josh Eflin. Even a guy. I think yes. Eflin. <laughs> Zach Eflin, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Zach, Zach Eflin. Eflin throws like eight innings, a shutout ball. You're like, oh, well, baseball just happened. Uh, but yes, Ken- a bullpen. Kendall Graveman. There we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, Kendall Graveman. Oh, my God. Yeah, if, if someone just insert A's pitcher here, shuts mm-hmm. you down, which right. probably happened. So, you know, but I feel like this is the, you know, if the Cubs are the Giants' destiny, we know how that series could go badly for the Giants. Yeah. Uh, and it could be one of those things where it's like, oh, we're up 5 nothing in the seventh inning. I would never say we. The Giants are up 5 nothing in the seventh inning. Here comes here comes oh, Derek just... Law. No! <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. No, that's like it, – it, it's like the 2011 Giants losing a game 2-1. to one. Like, well, that's how this goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they won the other five, so that's you know. right. It was a great week. Cannot complain. So the you know the worst game is like the worst. All I mean is like that is the worst possible game the Giants could have. Uh, yeah, because that offense is not going anywhere. Somehow the Giants have cobbled together a very efficient, or I should say, a, not efficient, because of last night's game they left a lot on base, but a, 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 a prosperous offense essentially. Yeah, um, and they've and, done it with you know. Um, there, I think uh, I, I would I would consider Hunter Pence going into the season, who we expected to be their second or third best hitter, uh, missing half the season, um, and with two very capable infielders missing large chunks of time, and yeah. they're still they're still putting it together. Yeah. So, who do you have as uh, player of the week? Oh, um. I feel like the Brandons are splitting the vote. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to give it to one of Belter Crawford. Uh, you can have an honorable mention, or we can we can anoint our first ever double player players of the week. We do I feel like yeah, week. I feel like they they might be. I mean, I I, I might be a fool. Uh, while we're talking, I'm I'm gonna have to go check the stats for the last seven days, but I'm pretty sure they both had over the last six games uh, very good games, uh, <laughs> all up into like across the board uh and <laughs> well brandon crawford uh we could just do july's stats uh because july is july is young 
Wait, excuse me. I'm clicking on the wrong page. So you want to pick the Brandons. We can just say that. Yeah, okay. So I'm looking at Bell. Last seven games, he's eight for 25 with seven walks, um, yeah. which is insane. Yeah, yeah. he had a, a four, 469 on base percentage. So he yeah. had a pretty nice week. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and Brandon Crawford's OPS is like 940. So yeah. <laughs> and Crawford only over the last seven games, yeah. he's uh, slashing 273, 333, 455. But he had a couple amazing defensive games where he was just everywhere, where he just gobbled up the ball. It was, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm picking the Brandons, co-Brandon. Player, Brandons for co-player of the week. Good picks. So yes. if you uh, if you disagree with our choices, uh, you can disagree in the comments section down below. Who do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Um, now, real quick, you know, we're gonna play a quick game before we answer the Twitter questions. Uh, this is a quick game because I just had it, it popped in my head. Ruben, let's try to figure out what the actual names are for the colors of the various Diamondbacks uniforms. They they look gray and and like charcoal and like teal or something i don't know but like what you know how everything's like it's not it's not white it's like uh it's like a sad white person vanilla or something like that yes. you know what i mean so <laughs> they have very specific colors um do do you have any thoughts on i think their colors are that gray is actually like um it's um you know grit gray is too basic so i'm gonna say it's um Oh, you know, it's, it's... It's cubicle. It's cubicle gray. Cubicle gray? I'm going to go with uh, the right way gray. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at the... um, What are these? The roadies? The bright red ones that were like some of the first unveiled ones? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, the alternates. Those are like... Those are the color of like a Happy Meal toy that I would have been really excited about. But like that's a Happy Meal to toy specifically marketed towards eight-year-old boys. Well, I call those like, the F-Zeros. The F-Zeros. Remember that game F-Zero, the racing game on Super Nintendo? Oh, yeah. And then you'd hit those speed, those little yeah. speed things. And so that's what the bottom of their uniforms look like, those little speed uh, marks on the, on the yeah. ground. So. On the same, I think we're on the same page aesthetically, which is that these are uniforms designed to appeal to prepubescent boys who have had way too much sugary cereal. That's right. And are probably not at all interested in baseball, specifically Diamondbacks baseball. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, like we do every week, we're going to get to your qu uh, Twitter questions. We're going to get to them quickly because uh, this is running long and I'm getting tired. So, uh, so we'll go with uh, first Twitter question. Uh, I posted it out there um, that, you know, Ruben, you're a fantasy writer, a novelist. Um, so I figured, you know, any baseball oh. questions or fantasy writing questions would be great. At Whale Wolf asks, please explain the difference between high and low fantasy and which one is the Giants 2016 season. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the real quick and dirty version, I think, is a question of scale. Like high fantasy, uh, your characters are um, – going back and forth about the fate of the kingdom or the world. Low fantasy, your characters are going back and forth about the fate of the loot. It's like, who's going to get rich off of this? Okay. Uh, so I think, I think the giant season, this is a, this is a high fantasy kind of series. This is like epic things are happening. There are like big interwoven narratives. 
you know, you've got Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt with their ascendant stars. You've got Matt Cain struggling repeatedly to make his comeback. And you've got the weight of, of the even year thing. I think that's really the biggest thing is the even year narrative is a total like fantasy bullshit prophecy. Like, you know, they, the, the giants were chosen. Um, really, I think the question is, are, are they the villains? I think they might be the villains. Maybe, but I also think that the 1993 aspect is either the Ooh. sneaky curse that comes back or in some way or affects it, or is, <laughs> is the last obstacle for this, you know, quest or this group to overcome. No, I, I really think they're the villains in the 1990 okay. right. thing is like that there's like a, a, a plucky minor leaguer somewhere who's on a quest to like find Solomon Torres. Is the bane of this giant's juggernaut. You know, as someone who is not a fan of the tech culture, that is not the same as saying technology or, you know, you know, investments, whatever you want to talk, you know, investment spending, uh, speculative spending, whatever, or people getting rich. The tech culture. <laughs> also, that my long-held belief that San Francisco is secretly a shitty city. Um, not the way it looks, but the people who live there. That the idea that the Giants and the Warriors are uh, villains, to me, is not that big of a leap. Oh, no. It's, it's pretty perfect. I mean, I, it took me a while to come around to it. And then it was like that reveal. It was, it was like a usual suspects moment where all of a sudden I look back at like everything I've been watching. And I'm like, Oh my God, it makes so much sense. Now we're the bad guys. Hold on. I'm trying to think of what your mug is that you dropped. <laughs> oh God. I'm like, Oh, is that when you dropped your Ray Durham mug? Or I, yeah. <laughs> um, I was trying to think of a, you know, an atypical giant there. Um, yeah. I mean, Oh, and just real quick. You know, the reason why I think San Francisco is, you know, got crappy people in it. And I'm going to say it's because all of my that comes from years and years of going to San Francisco and encountering the rudest people I've ever met in my entire life in San Francisco. But I will say this, every single one of those people, and I can remember most of them clearly, they all said or it was clear they were from Marin. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm at least saying that, all right? So that's it. Anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Uh all right. Next question is uh so hi Fantasy for Giants. At Robert Hayner asks, would going to the AAA All Star game be a quality honeymoon? Well, I would say, Rob, that if your spouse uh is into baseball as much as you are, and then maybe. But I would hope that it's not the only thing. What city is the AAA All-Star Game in? You know, I'm going to look it up. And it also has a cool name, which I'm blanking on right now. Yeah. Um, it's something, and it's like a three-game series, too. Oh, that's Am right. Am I making this all up? No. <laughs> well, I've got an app for this. Wait, I think I'm making this all up. Uh, no, one of, these, one of these has a cool name. AAA All-Star Game uh, is going to be July 13th in Charlotte. I thought it had a really cool name and they played each other like the no. rock shitty soda showdown or something like that. And they played no. like multiple games anyway. Yeah. Charlotte's supposed to be a nice city, I guess. Um, I don't really know much about it. Well, let's look at weather.com real quick. Yeah. Um, I would say that as a honeymoon, there are certainly worse ideas, but it's, this is really like, Minor league baseball is really one of those things where everyone who who you're there with has to be into it. Like it is not an, an activity 
where you can have one person sort of like, you know, it's not a big league ball game. You don't have all the like random distractions and shit. Um, I yeah, feel like that the triple A all-star game with someone who clearly wasn't into it, it would not be a fun experience for me. Um, obviously as a honeymoon, you want to make sure it's a fun experience for, for both people involved. Now, if this is a, this, we suppose that this was the 2016 triple A all-star game. Next year is the 30th anniversary of the AAA All-Star Game, and it is in Tacoma. You know what? That Yeah. Uh, ooh, Tacoma. Uh, Tacoma's not. You know, it's not that bad, and you can go up to Seattle. It's an hour drive away. Um, and hop, or go to Vancouver. You yeah. could spend your honeymoon in Vancouver and yeah. come down so, to the All-Star totally, Game. I feel like if you're planning your – okay, that's a good point. The date thing, if you're – planning your honeymoon three days out uh i I hope you've already figured that no but next year yeah go to tacoma go to seattle yeah if you're doing it this year you're screwed that that marriage is over yeah Um, or that's a bad foot to start off on we did not think that through no um at hanging sliders are uh wendy thurm who's guest of the show uh previously will bum garner ever amount to anything uh, and which backup, backup, backup will be cut first? So she snuck in two questions there. Uh, will Bumgarner ever amount to anything? I don't know. After his uh, his plate appearances today, I don't think so. He looked rough. He looked He's really bad. 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. No, cut him. Yeah. So, uh, nope. And the Giants are going to be glad to be rid of that contract, um, um, I think, when it's yeah. over. The next, who's the next super backup coming coming through? Um, well, I think Tomlinson is probably close. Oh yeah, but I feel uh, like there's okay. So Burris, am I about, missing somebody? Yeah, uh, they're going to get the cavalry back. I think they're already down several like several backups. Um, so I don't know if we're going to see another. Who the hell is this guy this season? Maybe <laughs> maybe a random. You know what? I'm knocking on wood here because that <laughs> that's a tempting wrap from high think, um I think we might, if, if the outfield woes continue, which is always a good bet with uh, three starting outfielders over 30, uh, we might see Austin Slater. Well, I, I certainly think that's, you know, I would kind of hope that that just means more playing time for the guts they have in the, oh, yeah. the outfield. But just, but, you know, uh, they, I think we, I, I'm starting to want that more and more, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess Joe Panic is probably most likely to come back first, but, you know, concussions, you can never really tell. So he might, but he might be back at the break. I would say if everything goes okay, he'd be back first. But you know, I think it's, I think the Giants are in a good problem to have category. Oh my God, we totally misread that question. It was which backup, backup, backup will be cut first? Oh, okay, which will be cut first? Oh, because we're talking about Grant Green, uh, Romero Pena, and Ruben Tejada. Ruben Tejada. Yeah, definitely. Tejada. I think Connor. I think Connor Gillespie's earned a spot if not yeah he's gonna stick around for a while yeah giants love their reclamation guys right. um, Tejada does have i think he's a little more versatile than the other guys because he think, can play short yeah, i think but, he's actually uh, a, a decent dish defender yeah um, but um but i i don't think he gives them anything that adrianza doesn't and adrianza will, will be available at some point um yeah, i don't think they're cutting adrianza i'd be very surprised yeah, and uh, can Pena can play short, right? Uh, yeah, he's he's limited there too. But I mean, Pena's made it. You know, I like Pena even before he started doing what he's doing. So I would hope that they keep they hold on to him. I think his switch hitting, he's essentially what they are hoping Adrianza becomes. Yeah. 
So yeah, it, it pains me to condemn a fellow Ruben, but I think Todd. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, Grant Green. I think they might like him, and they need a right-hander at some point. Uh, and if it's between him and Tomlinson, I think that's another that's another thing to yeah to sort out. Uh, okay, and then last two questions. A at AMC Boricua five ten Amber. She asks, uh, which backup infielders? Oh, this is the same question. Which backup infielders should stay on the twenty five man when Duffy and Panic return? Well, we just answered that, so we think it should be uh, Pena and Green. Yeah, maybe well Gillespie, maybe I don't know. That's... I guess I'm considering that he's not going anywhere. And if yeah, it, you know, I, I, I so yeah, yeah, I think Gillespie should stay. I don't know, you know, what? I don't actually know if he should stay. I just feel like he's going to stay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he doesn't wear batting gloves, so I don't like him. But yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and then the last question goes to uh, the the biggest Warriors, the the leader of the arrogant season, uh, Andy Lou at Andy K H Lou. Big on basketball Twitter. He asks, what the what the F is a Grant Green? Uh, well, Grant Green is uh, our favorite kind of former prospect, a former A's prospect who never did anything for them. <laughs> and now he's doing things for the Giants, which just warms my heart. Like, <laughs> oh, I love it so much. And the Giants were his favorite team growing up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so Grant Green just kind of like I I actually had a similar reaction. He was not even on my radar of like guys whose baseball reference pages I've looked at once. Uh, and he then he showed up and you know didn't look totally incompetent. He's a uh, he's hitting an even three hundred right now. Uh, he's got he has a major league home run, uh, which is one more major league home run that he ever hit with the A's. Is there a warrior warriors a Golden State equivalent? Uh, ooh, that's a that's a good question. It would have to be like someone. Is he like the Mo Buckets of the? No, Giants? no, no. Who's who's someone who was like drafted by or played? It would be like if Jason Thompson had been good for the Warriors last year. If he like gave them key minutes in like you know down the stretch, like when when Barnes was hurt, if he ate a bunch of back, backup minutes, it was great. Or like, like, no, no, it would be like the Warriors uh, ending up with Nick Stoskis in a couple of years, and he was really good. Oh, <laughs> All right, so this that is a future projection. It's a good, that's a solid comp. All right. Uh, so every week, uh, you can send us your questions. There's now a new uh, Twitter account specifically for the Croncast because, you know, I'm not getting any younger. Who knows what's going to happen in this world, right? So <laughs> at McCroncast is the uh, handle, at MC Croncast. Uh, and you can send your questions. Uh, follow the account. That'd be great. Follow it. Uh, also on iTunes or wherever you see the podcast. Leave your review, whatever. Doing those shameless plugs. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Ruben, where, they can, where can they find you online? Because I know that you're going to announce your book stuff when all that gets going and, yeah. and, uh, well, and spit out well, the baseball knowledge. And, and where can they find you? Uh, well, don't hold your breath on the book. But uh, I am on Twitter at Lies and Perfidy. Um, and, uh, you can find me occasionally on the front page of McCovey Chronicles, uh, do some Game of Thrones and related stuff coverage with Dorcadia at Dorcadia on Twitter. Uh, and I think that's it for me right now. Okay. That's, that's really good. Uh, I'm at every six day and, uh, there's going to be another Croncast this week. We're putting together an all-star Croncast. We're trying to get, uh, some 
big names from the site and uh, people you've heard on the show before. So check it out. That should go up on Thursday. And thanks for listening to this one, which went up definitely today. Today is Monday, July 11th. Uh, Bye. Sweet.